0: Redeemer, let's open up to Isaiah 50, if you're not there already. I'm going to pray for God's help and get going. Uh, yeah, God, there's just uh, <laughs> there's a lot going on, isn't there? So pray for grace, God, that you would give us wisdom. I was thinking of Jesus' words this morning, that he has sent us out as sheep among wolves, and that we must be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And we need wisdom from on high to discern the times and your spirit also to bring love, gentleness. And I. <sighs> we want to fight for truth, and there's, that's true. That's good. Um, but we beheld his glory full of grace and truth, and from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Like You sent your Son with grace to change the world. So I pray you would cut through our hearts and our minds and give us a vision of his power, his beauty, his ness, and that we would imitate it. Amen. So 2021 is going great. Um, right? So this is going to be our year. It might be. So I want to talk. I, didn't, I haven't been much on social media recently with response to c- current events. Uh, so I'm gonna, I was thinking, praying, trying to be slow to speak. I think I have a message about it. Martin Luther King says... A riot is the voice of the unheard. I heard that a lot this summer. Is that true? Is it still true? There's some truth to that in the sense that when people get frustrated enough and the things they love are threatened, they will rise up. The kingdoms will totter. But here's something we need to know. Christians are never Unheard. God hears you. He hears you. And that's the message people need. So yeah, the kingdom's taught or the nations rage. Why? Because their things are being touched. Now, how shall we live? What are we gonna do? Just pick a side and this is what I hear all over the place. Like we are called to something else, and it is called godliness. And what does that look like? It looks like Jesus. I don't care what side of the cultural wars you're on right now as a Christian. Ask yourself this question. You can go back to the summer or you can go back to more recently. Can you see Jesus at the front of the lines at any of these events? Is this his cause? Is this how he leads Is this where he goes? Is this what he does? Is this what he calls into action? Are these his values? Is this how he loves? The answer is no. We're going to see a picture of Jesus in this text today. We're in the book of Isaiah, and toward the end of Isaiah, Jesus starts speaking. We've seen that in the last two Sundays, and it happens again. So let's look to him. Because, as we say often, right, we borrowed this or stole it from John Piper, you become what you behold, right? So we need to behold him. My kids have learned this. I'll ask them, why are you being so foolish? And they look at me and say, we become what we behold. (laughs) It's true. So don't behold me. Don't behold me. Behold the man. The kingdoms are tottering and raging. Any Bob Marley fans in the house? It's kind of old school, right? Am I a Bob Marley fan? It's complicated. I like the music. Listen to this. He's got a song called Get Up, Stand Up. Most people think great God will come from the skies. Take away everything and make everybody feel high. That's what I think, that my hope is not here, have an invincible joy. Why? Because great God will come from the skies and make everybody feel high, joyful, free, liberated. He doesn't believe that, right? It's a critique. Most people think great God will come from the skies, take away everything, and make everybody feel high. But if you know what life is worth, You will look for yours on earth. And now you see the light. What light? He says that there's no great God that will come from the skies. That ours is here on earth. Now what? Get up. Stand up. Stand up for your rights. That's what's happening out there. People's treasures are being touched. And they think they know what life is worth, and so they look for theirs on earth. Is that who we are? Is that it? This matters. Monday. The book of Isaiah is about God's people being judged. Why? Because they didn't care for the poor. They got caught up in the ways of the world. They just sought riches and power, and they ran along with the desires of the nations. And they still went to church. And this is what God said to them. If you remember back in Isaiah 1.14, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. Yeah, you're coming to me. You're coming to church, basically. But these things have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. We are not called just to behold the Christ, but to become like Christ. This matters Monday. If it doesn't matter, if it doesn't change our lives, if the world doesn't see it, then we are a burden to God. This is a waste. We want a bigger building? What? So we can give Him a bigger burden? We have got to be different. And what is that difference? It's willing to die to let it go. Isaiah 49. Let's go. Sorry, Isaiah 50. Verse 1. Thus says the Lord, God the Father, speaking to Israel, where is your mother's certificate of divorce with which I sent her away? Or which of my creditors Is it to whom I have sold you? He's responding to their lament. If you remember back in Isaiah 49, 14, Zion, Israel says, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me because they're going through trial, exile, right? And they think God has forgotten. And what he's basically saying here is, I have not forgotten. Show me the certificate of divorce. This thing isn't final. Who's the creditor that I owe? Babylon doesn't owe. I'm not in debt to them. I'll just snatch you right out of there. This is not over. I have not forsaken you. It is not because of my unfaithfulness. This is the accusation. We're in this because God is unfaithful and he's forgotten. He's just saying, no, 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 no. I'm not unfaithful. That's not why you're in this situation. But for your iniquities, you were sold and for your transgressions. All the things I've been describing about how they forsook God and went after the nations. For your transgressions, your mother was sent away. And he reminds them of when he sent Isaiah, right, to prophesy to them. And they didn't respond. Why, when I came, was there no man? Why, when I called, was there no one to answer? Now, the truth is there was a remnant in Israel. There was always been a small remnant of believers, but it wasn't the majority, and they weren't the ones in power. And when Isaiah came, they were stiff-necked and hard-hearted, and they did not listen. God is saying it's not because of my unfaithfulness that this is happening. It's really because of theirs, and ironically, because he is faithful to them. Then he will purge them. He will purify them. He will shake their belief that they can have it all here. This has been a theme, 2020, and it continues. <laughs> right? we sing, saying, God, you can have it all. Like, and I just pray that we are growing, growing in our belief that, that's, that's inevitable. Everything here shakes. He is shaking the shakeable so that the unshakable remains. And what is that? Him, his church, the spirit, the eternal things, love, not this earth and not the kingdoms of power. They will be gone. I don't know. Is, is America falling? It will. There is one kingdom that endures, and it's not America. It's not. And God is doing us, I pray, the favor of dislodging us from the illusion that our hope is in this country. Verse 2. Is my hand shortened that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? He's basically, what he's going to go into here is describing how he brings judgment. He, he gives and takes away. Yes, I brought you to Babylon. Yes, I exiled you. But the key word there is I and my power. I'm able to do that. I'm able to do this. I'm able to bring judgment. I'm able to redeem. I'm able to shake the kingdoms. I'm able to reveal your unshakable spirit and faith in you. He is able. He goes on. Behold, by my rebuke I dry up the sea; I make the rivers a desert. Their fish stink for lack of water and die of thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness and make sackcloth for their covering. The point is, yes, I take away. You know what that means? I can give. My arm is not shortened. I can give. I'm not unfaithful. I'm not. I don't lack like power. I don't lack like interest. I love you. I'm involved. Verse four. Jesus starts to speak. Right. Because God's going to provide. He just said, I can redeem. Yes, you see all this darkness and judgment that has been brought, but I can also redeem. I can give. What will you give? Jesus speaks. It's first person. Language here is Jesus. Verse 4. The Lord has given me, this is Jesus describing himself, the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Now, it seems a little strange. You say, well, isn't Jesus God? And it means he was taught. Listen to this. John 12, 49. This is, right, New Testament, Jesus speaking, describing his ministry. I have not spoken on my authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. In John 5, he puts it this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So we are called in this world to be not of the world, but to be like God. What is that like? It's like the Son. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Everything he says and does comes from the Father, right? He is like him, and we are called to be like him. So what is he like? Let's see. Jesus continues with the testimony of where he gets his source of wisdom and power, and it is his Father. Morning by morning he awakens He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord has opened my ear. He is describing uninterrupted fellowship. Like, there's this sense where, right, we we see the ministry of Jesus where he says, I'm only doing what the Father says, but it was his whole life. And I would argue it's even beyond that into eternity. The Father and the Son in perfect communion. Jesus is and always has been the image of the invisible God. So let's behold him. What is he like? What does he do when he shows up? What is the help? What is the model? It's faithful. There's a lot here. It's faithful, obedience unto death on a cross. That's what it is. You fast forward to Isaiah 53, you're going to get into the literal crucifixion of Jesus. Right now what we see is the foreshadowing. It's like moving up toward that. It's all the events moving up to the crucifixion. It's the beating, the flogging, the mocking, the spitting. How much does God love us that he would give his only son to be murdered, nailed, pierced, And it's almost like that wasn't enough. It was too light a thing that that should be all. No, he will also be spit on, mocked, flogged. Why? Because God's love for us is so grand. And it's demonstrated through the suffering of his son. So this is just, again, just just getting into, pushing into, approaching the love of the cross. But not there yet. We'll be there in a couple weeks. But it's starting to be seen. He is unified with the Father, right? The Father awakens him every morning, right, and speaks. There's such a unity there. The way John puts it is that Jesus is in the bosom of the Father, right? They're near, There's intimate, right? And then John puts it this way, John 1.18, No man has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, Jesus, who's in the bosom of the Father, has made him known. What is God like? What is he like? He's faithful, committed, obedience, love unto death. Death is a theme here. We're called to die. We're called to let it go. Like if we just pick a side and fight for the power, that's just powerless. Verse six. I gave my back to those who strike. That's what God does. Yeah, but look I'm not saying there's not fair criticism about the powers that be. I've told you before, like let me just raise the bar here, right? Democrats, Republicans, I think the highest levels of government are run by demons, okay? Like anything you think is bad about them, I can one-up you. It's not about that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we are called to be like God. And what is he like? He gave his back to those who strike. My cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. It's just prophecy. Prophecy. Fulfilled in the New Testament. Matthew 27. This is insane. I was thinking about this. It's six verses. takes 20 seconds to read it. And it's one of the most significant things that has ever happened on the entire planet. And we just breeze by it. So I'm asking God to give us vision. This is him. This is him. This is our king. This is who we worship. This is who we claim to love and follow and be like. Pilate released Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him to be crucified. Just like that. Having scourged. Jesus was scourged. That's the, I did not, I gave my back to those who strike. Scourged. I mean, the level, I won't get into this. We'll save that for Good Friday. The details of the scourging. But he was beaten more brutally than probably anybody here has ever been beaten. Why? Because he loves you. And he's different than the world. The soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. So I got images of right battalions. We've seen that on TV recently. Right? Standoff. There's the powers that be, the battalions. That's frightening. And God gives them his back. He didn't have to. He could have left. He could have spoken them out of existence. We'll get to that in a minute. They gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him, twisting together a crown of thorns right there, mocking him. Sure, you're a king. And, in essence, crowning him king. Put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand, kneeling before him. They mocked him, saying, Hail, king of the Jews. And they spit on him, took the reed, and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of his robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. This is the appetizer. They're just getting warmed up. Then comes the crucifixion. Now, verse 5 says this, that Jesus was not rebellious. He says, I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. He could have, but rather than rebellion, he went and did what God sent him to do, which is what? Turn his back to those who strike and give his cheeks to those who pull the beard and not hide his face from disgrace and spitting. If you remember the night that Jesus was arrested, right? A battalion comes and he's betrayed by Judas and identified. What does Peter do? He looks for his on earth. He gets up and stands up. Pulls out a sword, strikes the Roman soldier, right? Cuts off his ear. And Jesus said, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. All who take the sword. I know I'm speaking to a well-armed church, by the way. (laughs) I know what you're up to. Let's not quickly brush that off. Let's just not quickly brush it off. Let's wrestle with that. So in your own time, in your own conscience, sit with God and ask him that. What does that mean? Those who... Take the sword, will perish by the sword. And then he says to Peter this, do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But then, how should the scriptures be fulfilled? I was made for this, made to be mocked, made to be flogged and scourged and spit upon. The scriptures need to be fulfilled. I am revealing God. And you want me to stop. Peter, put the sword away. If <sighs> you've seen the movie Braveheart, um, there's a scene toward the beginning where these soldiers, the Roman soldiers, are enacting a thing called prima nocta. What it means is, when the people that they would subjugate, they would, when a couple would get married, some Roman lord would come in and claim her for the first night, prima nocta first night. He would take her as a way to exercise dominion, right? And then just spread the Roman seed, right? Take her. And the men are powerless to stop this, right? Because battalions come in and they're coming to take your bride. And there's this one scene where this man is, he doesn't want that to happen, obviously, so he starts to fight, get up, stand up, right? To, to fight for what's his and she knows he will die if he continues to fight. And so she steps, this is a stunning scene. She steps into the gap, right, calms her husband, puts all the soldiers, like, you know, it's like calming the soldiers, putting the weapons down, and basically volunteering herself to go. Why? To save her husband's life, because she loves him. It's, it's stunning. What do you do as a husband in that situation, <laughs> shadow. This is what Christ is doing. We don't want those we love to die. We don't want Christ to die. We don't understand how death could be good. How could him turning his back be good? We want to stop this. Let's pull out our weapons. And in effect, Jesus is calming Peter and putting down the weapons and saying, this is for you. This is for you. This is not easy. I don't want to die. I don't want to die an excruciating death. One of the videos I was watching this week, it was a a cop, uh, Capitol Police, and there was people rushing this this building, and he was caught in a door with, you're talking, I don't know if you've ever been a mob like that, like, right? you're talking pressure, mobs pushing, pushing. He was caught in a door, and they were showing this video, and it was like two minutes of him just yelling, like he just was, his life being squeezed out of him. Like, I, I can't imagine that. I don't run toward that kind of thing. I don't want that ever to happen to me. And yet I have a God who models death, voluntary death, on behalf of the world as His glory. And let me fast forward. Yours. You are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. We're conformed to the image of Christ. What's that image? It's this. I gave my back to those who strike my cheeks, to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. Let me fast forward here. Verse 7. The Lord God helps me. Here's what strengthens the Son. Here's what strengthens Him in the doesn't mean these things were easy and fun. He needs strength from the, from the Father. And therefore, I have not been disgraced. Wait, didn't you get disgraced? Isn't that a disgrace? Isn't that a disgrace? To be mocked? To be spit on? Wouldn't that be a disgrace? Picture someone walking up to you right on and doing that, spit on your face. Isn't that a disgrace? You know what would have been the disgrace? To disobey his God. To fear death. To put our identity here and in the approval of men. That's a disgrace. That's a disgrace. Jesus was not disgraced. Listen to this. Many of you have heard of missionaries, uh, missionary Jim Elliott, who was, right, gave his life reaching the Alka Indians. These missionaries that went and were speared to death, by the way, had guns. They did not use them. Listen to this. On January 8, 1956, Jim Elliott and four other young missionaries approached the jungle edge where the Alka Indians lived. Their last recorded act, according to Elizabeth Elliott, his wife, was to sing a hymn together. This is the hymn. We go in faith our own great weakness feeling. Right. This is not about your power. In needing more each day thy grace to know. Yet from our hearts, a song of triumph pealing, we rest in thee, and in thy name we go. All five of them were killed that afternoon. This blogger commenting on this says, yeah, they were killed, but they were protected. Protected from a fate far worse than death. What? Cowardice? Unbelief and fear. That's a disgrace. Disgrace. Jesus will not be put to shame, he says. Rather than be put to shame, this is the world's so tempting to shame him, but he is vindicated by his resurrection. Right? Declared to be the son of God by the resurrection from the dead. What that means, it proves everything he said was true. Up until that point, you don't know. Maybe he was just some guy that got killed. Bursting forth in glorious day, declared to be the son of God. Vindicated. This is the way. Verse uh let's see here. All right. There's, a couple, there's some more thoughts I could have on the rest of this. I'm running low on time. We are supposed to storm the gates. Right? The gates of hell. Like, we should be rushing the gates. And the gates of how do we do that? It's by dying for one another and for the world. By loving by giving, by serving, by confounding the cosmic powers over this present darkness, who they think, oh, hey, everyone just wants stuff, so let's rile them up and they'll fight over it. And they'll go back and forth and left and right and black and white and they'll fight for it. And we, by grace in the power of the Spirit, can say, you can have it all, Lord, This is not our home. And out of that, and to be strengthened by God, move forth with sacrifice, with love, with encouragement, enduring uh, derision and mocking, and maybe, maybe even yes, death. Who knows? So that's my commentary. We are called to be like Christ, and I am afraid of it. (laughs) All right? I don't want to die. I love my kids. I love my wife. I love this world. I have a comfortable life. But I have seen the Christ, and it matters. It matters. It's not just talk on Sunday and then Republican on Wednesday. Like, this matters. It's a different vision. I'm calling us into this place that we fear but want to assure you that if you are God's child, He will strengthen you, meet you in these moments, equip you, empower you, and no one will take your joy from you. So let's pray. Let's enter a time of response. Let me invite the musicians up, and we are going into, right, behold. To behold God, this is what we're doing. It's not just... Routine, let's sing some songs. We are coming into this moment, engaging our hearts, our affections, our minds, pressing into God, asking Him to give us revelation, affections, real transformation for who He is that we would draw into that and live out of that. All right? So we're going to sing. Um, yeah, you give. If you, many of you give online, most how most people do it, and that's great. We appreciate that. Uh, if you want to, Give, there should be an offering box by the entrance as well. You can do that. Um, thank you to all of you that do that um, and support this mission, this ministry. We're we'll going to take communion as well. Um, right? This is what we remember. This is we're, we're living off his death. It's literally what that is. Right? It's impossible to believe that death could lead to life. Ah. Remember, take this, do this in remembrance of me, right? This bread is my body which is broken for you. The reason you have life is because of the death of God. This cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you. You have life because of the death of God. May the world have life because of our death. So let's remember. Let's take and eat. If you don't have a communion cup, there should be one available by the entrance as well. So let's go. Let's go to God. God, thank you for your goodness, your grace. And uh, yeah, you call us to the impossible for humans, um, but possible in you. So we need your help. It's that simple. God, we love you and thank you. Amen.